Hello, this is Carl Darge, and this is my podcast, Geezers and Gurus on HVAC. And thanks to Anchor.com for helping bring this to you. They taught me everything I didn't know and want to know. No, they really have. They've been very good. This um, podcast is going to be on, um, should you start a business? What do you do first? Things you should know. I've actually have been involved in about five of these businesses, and the last one was very successful. And uh, we'll be talking about the things that I did that worked, and we'll talk about things that I did that did not work. And uh, let's get started. So going into business, I... um, I was hesitant on that because I came, I was in my father's company and I worked for him for a very long time, 17 years. And uh, he actually got a stroke while working at the shop and that pretty much ended the company uh, right there for a lot of reasons. It was a family business and families and brothers and other things and politics and dad and mom were involved. And so it ended up that the company was stopped, dissolved. My oldest brother, who was working for another company at a time, took on the name and started his own company, worked out of his house. My youngest brother worked with him. Uh, Left me, I... uh, I did a lot of work because I had worked with my father for the whole 17 years, and we had many uh, clients and accounts and things like that. So I worked for uh, quite a few years just taking care of those people to make sure that everything was all right and set. And then I started to go to work for other companies, companies that did things that I never did. I was a sheet metal man. I could install a furnace, fix an oil burner, fix a gas furnace, uh, install gas lines, duct work, unit heaters, um, air conditioning systems, pretty much anything. Vents, ventilation, fans, rooftop, all kinds of things. Mushroom fans, I've put in all kinds of stuff. Uh, so, And that's where I started. So I went and got myself a job as an installer. Uh, for a local company, and uh, they gave me a helper, and the helper happened to be the the, uh, owner's son, and uh, away we went installing furnaces. At that time, it was in the 70s, and we were pulling out oil furnaces and putting in gas because of the shortage. Natural gas was a lot cheaper than the oil when, when that all hit. So we were pulling one out, and we were doing one a day. Is basically what we were doing. We had two crews, so each one of us did one a day. And then there was uh, four other service guys that did the service work. Pretty good company. Was worked very well. It was really very professional. Everything that that company did was on the up and up and everything else. We did a, put in a lot of electronic air cleaners, uh, and we even I used to repair them. Uh, these people, service guys would bring them back in and I'd take them apart and rebuild them. There's not all that much to them. Change out the resistors or whatever else, uh, wires had to be put in there, whatever needed to be done. But that's when my uh, 
also got involved with steam and hot water for the first time, and I was very green on both of them. So I was just doing as the company did. Unfortunately, uh, the owner of the company um, was sort of backdoored into the heating business and didn't really know a lot about it. So it was up to some of the technicians that worked there and whatever to put in the boilers and everything correctly. Uh, that's really not the way this should work, and it's the way not the way companies today work. There's a lot more knowledge involved. All of these people are long gone out of the business. They all retired and out of it. But there were a lot of companies and a lot of a few of them that I worked for at the time, and, and many that I knew that were hand-me-down companies. And there was there was just on-the-job training and none of the new stuff. Uh, whereas I had approached it, I'd learned sheet metal and and uh, roofing, metal roofing, and all that stuff from my dad. But I really learned sheet metal and the art of ductwork from him, and it was, it was a good thing. Uh, forced air, but there was so much more. Uh, when I really got involved with the hot water and steam, I got involved in a good area. We had a lot of steam, so we would do almost a 50-50 mix of hot water and steam, and I've been doing that since uh, 1976, 77. And uh, I've never quit since. Got involved, and I found out that it was... So to make yourself better, you go to classes. There were a lot of classes on steam, hot water, new types of boilers, um, from Utica, from... Um, Oh, I did uh, Burnham, loved the Burnham boils, the Wild McLean, Lock and Bar, um, Triangle Tube was another one. I did a lot of them. I worked uh, with Renai through the local distributor, and we would come up with piping and wiring diagrams to try to figure out how to make an on-demand water heater actually produce enough water for one of the big bubble tubs and that type of thing, and we did uh, heating with it, too. I actually did a, a, a home on um, Harsons Island that had a Unico system with a hot water coil, a Renai heater with a plate-type uh, heat exchanger on the outside um, that had made all the hot domestic hot water for the house, but through the heat exchanger, actually heated the house. I never had an issue with the Renai heater or the Unico performing as it should. The only thing I had an issue with is is a uh, relay, a stinking single pole, single throw relay that I replaced twice. This is when they were made in China, and I don't know if they still are or not. I haven't bought one in years. They're nice little Mars-type relays that used to be there, like a $7 back in the 60s that went, to, went up and down and still are like a 6 bucks or whatever they are today. Who knows? That little relay, twice, on a Friday night at 5 o'clock in a freaking blizzard, I had to drive 40 miles to get to the ferry, to take the ferry across to the island. To get to this man's house to crawl up into the attic and change that relay. I did it twice. Um, other than that, the equipment was fine. 
that was not a relay by the equipment manufacturers. That was one that I had to put in to make the uh, thermostats and all that cross-wiring that had to be done to make it all work. Okay, well, when I worked for that company, too, they had a lob humidifier. That's the old drum type. I knew Orville Lobb. He was a neighbor of my dad's in the Sabre neighborhood. Uh, he came up with a drum-type humidifier, and everybody kind of laughs, okay, what happened? They kind of went out of business because of the, uh, how shall I say, the amount of maintenance involved with it and the, and the parts and everything. But Lobb had it down pretty good. The way the float worked, the little sleeve to put the water in there. Um, he even had it so with some uh, the pan liners so that you didn't have to scrape that stuff out. But then they, uh, we had this thing called Legionnaire's disease, and people started getting worried about that. And now in today's world, I started putting in uh, April air humidifiers as soon as their new style came out after the old black ones. Um, that was a very good one, easy to work on, worked very well, worked in most homes, most applications. The drum-type humidifiers were really good, too. Uh, there were a lot of motion to it and a lot of things that people could see, and, and so when you gave them a bill on fixing it, they figured it was worth it because you had a big moving machine that you had to fix and, and get everything to work correctly and make sure that it didn't overflow and you had the proper humidity. The humidifier pads on those things would get plugged up. And sometimes we would have to do them twice a season for some houses. And it also depends on your water. There's, but humidifiers, and there's still no more drums, as I know today. I mean, I think there's still somebody making pads for them, but that's pretty much uh, yesteryear's technology. The um, flow-through humidifiers is a really good technology. I, I like that technology. But they do have a tendency for people to say they waste a lot of water. And uh, I'm not sure if that's really true because um, you can get maybe a five-gallon bucket of water every couple of days out of one if you really you know, want to see the wastewater. But in that time, they had evaporated about 30 gallons of water if it's done right. So it's, uh, it's a big difference in ratio. Sometimes it's even more than 30 gallons of water. So that's, uh, yeah, some people worry about that, So that's, uh, but there's no perfect way. The uh, steam humidifiers uh, take electricity to uh, make the proper amount of humidity, and, um, and that uh, uh, can be very expensive. I've had houses that uh, people actually shut them off because they said it was too much on their electric bill. But their houses were terribly dry, and they just needed it. Uh, it's, I don't know. I actually had an 18,000-square-foot uh, house that uh, we had that had three commercial April Air stainless steel humidifiers in them. Each one of them put out like 23 to 25 gallons a day. They were a combination, uh, and they were steamers, and they were, they were uh, quite a, a, a little trip, but that's what it took to keep enough humidity in this house, and they needed it for all of the woodwork that was in there. So there is, humidity is a problem and there's no easy way around it. I do like to flow through humidifiers. I think for the average house and for most jobs, if you connect it to the hot water line and if they're reasonably maintained, they will actually uh, do the job quite well. Now, what, do, what did I say just now 
that has anything to do about going into business for yourself. You have to know. You have to know what's out there. You cannot be single-focused or you won't make it. Uh, A good businessman in the heating and cooling business today, you have to know heat pumps, air conditioning. You have to know humidifiers. You have to know filtration. With this virus and everything going on, you should be very well informed on what type of UV lights you should be using. Uh, There's charcoal filters, there's HEPA filters, where air changers are now becoming law. They're law in the state of Michigan, and uh, they're just a good idea for houses that are being insulated and tightened up. You need a way of changing air in them properly. You need to know all of these things. How many air changers are there out there? Are you going to know about, now that's just forced air we just talked about, okay? Gas furnaces, what brand are you going to use? What are you going to get? They're all fairly close. You should know which ones are having problems with which controls. Now you're going to talk about, okay, well, that's that's forced air heating. You're going to do boilers. You're going to do steam. You're going to do hot water. You're going to do mini splits. Which brand of mini splits are you going to use? Uh, what brand of boilers are you going to use? It's a lot of you should know before you get started. You want to make just some parameters for your business, say we'll do this but not that. I had six or seven years in the refrigeration field too, as well as commercial high-rise buildings before I went into business for myself. I had a lot of uh, different things going on. But yes, getting trained, every course you can take, anything that anybody is offering, any, any wholesale house that is offering uh, uh, training courses on the furnaces or humidifiers or whatever, because the more you know, the better you get, the more you will know the products themselves and which are the better ones that you should sell, but you can also fix anything that's out there and the competition, and that's really important too because if you're in business for yourself, you're going to have nobody to uh, back your ass up except yourself, and so you've got to know these things. I was also uh, been certified in uh, geo, three types of geothermal uh, units so that I would know how to work in, in, on almost any type of unit. And then I did oil with my father. There is no more oil in the Detroit area. I actually worked on one in Birmingham in the uh, 90s, which I think is the last of the oil furnaces that were in the city. I know they tore the house down and put up a new new footprint house, and that was the last oil unit. He had a heck of a time trying to get oil delivered to his house, and he had a harder time trying to find anyone to even work on oil. And I know some of you guys on the East Coast over there are going, What? says, yeah, got spoiled over here. The little gas fire jobs are what we work with. I mean, we have everything is staged. Everything is, uh, whether it's a boiler or a gas-fired furnace, uh, can't go to that oil. We can't, you have to be specially licensed in Michigan if you're doing propane, too, which I used to do propane before that came in. All of this stuff is out there. Now, so if you're in your area and you're looking at what you have, what do you have residential? Do you have farms? Do you have commercials? What do you know about all of the different types of equipment? And can you keep your service people? Can you get someone that's actually good enough to work on all of this stuff too and knows what's going on 
remember your company is only good as the worst guy that works for you. So if you got some guy out there trying to do service work and is wrecking things, uh, you can be in big trouble real quick. So at this point, you have enough knowledge. You can start a residential heating and cooling business and be able to take and service uh, both forced air and boilers if you have that type of experience. Now, the, uh, this comes up to uh, all of the thought that you have there. Is that all you want to do? I did a guy company that I started working with to install a residential equipment to start off with was a very good company. It was a high-end company. And when they sold their job, it was sold with the better air conditioning condensing units. It was sold with mostly 90% efficient furnaces. We did put in some 80s. It was also every job had a humidifier. Every job had an electronic air cleaner. And uh, if you put in two a day, there is a lot of service work in electronic air cleaners. When the media filters came out uh, and were getting to be more prevalent, when the packaged type uh, five by twenty-five, uh, five inch, twenty by twenty-five uh, filters became like the norm, uh, the media type. The owner told me that uh, while well, we've been selling this like this for 30 years and we've been making money at it, saying we're not going to change, and that's just the way it's going to be. And uh, same thing with uh, they sold the lob humidifiers because he was part of uh, the whole crew there, four or five dealers, and uh, lob themselves that we thought they were all guys that were about the same age and grew up together and knew each other, and engineers from Honeywell were involved. They're all, they all knew each other, just like you have friends in the business, too. So, um, yeah, so they were, they were selling high-end stuff. Uh, so were the competition. Uh, uh, we sold the, the, the Bryant. There was another dealer down the street that was selling Lennox, and there was another guy that was selling something else, and that was the uh, crew in the area, but they were all selling the, the higher-end stuff, which made the... When you went to service on it, you probably knew what you were getting into. It was all better equipment. Even the boilers were all, we sold Bryant boilers, but while McLean and Utica were very, very popular through there, and Burnham was also in with uh, the New Yorker. Um, Lock and Bar has always been a player in the hot water business in this area. Always very good sellers because of the hot water tanks, and they were very good and reliable, so when the boilers just took off just as well. All right, so what is this? That means that you could do residential, uh, and probably light commercial too. Well, at that point in my career, I could have gone into business, but I did not. I decided to uh, take a job as a service manager for a place called Maxim Refrigeration Engineers. I thought I had a bunch of guys working underneath me and they were doing refrigeration work at one time. It was the, one of the biggest refrigeration companies in the city of Detroit. But this was second generation run. Father had long been gone, the son is running the company. Son actually went to college and got a degree so that uh, he actually knew all about the refrigeration and he had been working in it since he was a kid. But he wasn't interested in it. This was not his business. This was not his passion. Uh, he eventually became a real estate agent, 
which suited him just well. He did not have the personality to run a company. Sometimes that is a problem. You have to have a pretty good outgoing personality. You've got to be uh, a salesman, too. But why that story? Well, that's probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I went into and I was the service tech for this refrigeration. I went into the high-rise buildings and did cascade uh, units and 100-ton systems. Um, I learned... uh, I actually picked up the Kowalski Sausage Company, which is uh, local, was made in Hamtramck. They had uh, 16 stores, I think, at one time. And these stores were like in every age from brand new all the way built back into the 30s. So what was in those stores, there was hot water heat in some of them, rooftop units, there was cooling towers involved. All of them had refrigeration of all different kinds. Um, I, I didn't know that... Uh, in the meat cases there, they did not have fans in there to cool it the, like I was used to, obviously, with a fan coil type system that you're doing with the regular uh, air conditioning or um, you know, like a walk-in or something. No, these are all gravity R12 units. It was, it was great. I worked when, with all of their stores and plus lots of restaurants and other stores and other things. Uh, it was uh, a real eye-opener, and obviously I learned a lot, and commercial equipment is a lot different than residential equipment, too, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, refrigeration uh, can, is, can get pretty complicated and when you get into freezers, sub-freezers, and you guys all know this stuff. I worked for uh, Great Lakes Beverage Company when they had the uh, refrigerated warehouse and. Uh, all the car, uh, trucks would come in to this warehouse and get filled up at night and it was cold. That was Budweiser, man. You, that was, there was a king of beers for a reason. Uh, Budweiser started the uh, date on the beer bottles, which I could read, actually. And uh, every company did that. And if you were in the business, you knew how to read what it was saying. The point being is, is Budweiser would never allow a beer to be in that store for six months. The drivers were paid to go through the stock and pull any beer out that was getting to that point. They were looking at the other guy's beer uh, in the coolers, and they could say that some of them were a year old and still there because Budweiser was the only one that pulled the beer off when it got to be old. I know that because I used to buy it for $4 a case because they would throw it out otherwise. It was many, many years ago, but... Did refrigeration when I was talking about Kowalski's, they, they were similar. They not the, not only the factory was refrigerated that manufactured all the meat products, but the were but the uh, trucking house where they loaded all the equipment, all the product was also refrigerated, and so were the trucks obviously refrigerated. So they were pulled into this huge area, and uh, they everything was refrigerated to keep it that way. And when those refrigeration units go down, it was that was R500. I remember that, R500 in there, 502. 502, 500 was the uh, Bryant one that they had, but 502 was what it was. So that was, believe it or not, guys, because I see it all the time, 
the first time in my career I found a bad TX valve and only seen or replaced five in my career, 60 years. But uh, from, from looking at all the reports now, there's a lot of them going on that are going bad. There may be more problems. Now, it just could be the fact that they're making more and they're less quality. Who knows? But there are obviously a lot of refrigeration units, and they do make more just because, again, we're going to the population explosion. So what does this have to do with going into business? Because, you see, I learned how to work and fix ice machines, drinking fountains, high-rise buildings, Every type of thing that your brain can figure out that's in a commercial system, I worked for companies after that that fixed it all. Went and had, and when I was a service manager, I had places downtown. It was is amazing. That's when I got uh, had to be trained on pneumatic controls. And Barbara Coleman graduated electric controls, and the new Honeywell uh, digital controls that were coming out at the same time. But uh, now it's a real interesting problem. Uh, trying to find somebody that knows anything about pneumatics. So did I go into business for myself after that? Actually, no. I became service manager for several other companies, more diversified. And then it just got to a point where I was fixing companies and then they were selling them out. And then I'd say, see you later. And that's basically what happened the last two of them that I did. So enough of that. So my wife said, why don't you just go into business for yourself? And I did. And uh, just because of all the people I had known along the way, I was able to, I went into the residential, not into the commercial. Um, I, I did a lot of small commercial when I was in business, but I didn't get into the big commercial. Uh, one of the reasons why is because when you look at it, that's why my systems are the way they are. That's why my systems are married. That's why I don't look at, uh, we're going to throw a four-star furnace in here, and, and isn't that going to be great on your nice new 5,000-square-foot house? I look at the customer is going to be living in this house for a very long time, paying the mortgage, paying the utility bills, and uh, raising a family. It could be their elderly parents or just small kids. That house should be comfortable. That house should be comfortable and thought of and ideas given to them on how they can make that comfortable for the entire family or whether they have elderly parents that have to be with them or if they're just starting out and raising a family or if they're just cruising along with a bunch of teenagers that are in and out the door and everything. That house needs to be able to be heated and cooled and maintained and air cleaned and air changes all of that happened while all of those things would go on at any one point in time and no uh no company you don't look at it that way if you do a commercial you've got to look at how many people are in there you got air in air out there's filtration there's a whole bunch of things that all timed out you should know when people are in and out of the building so you know when things need to shut on and shut off uh, water on demand and what are you using with electricity and what needs to be on, what needs to be off and when. Same is true with the house now. But things have changed. We have this thing called an iPhone or smartphone, we'll call it a smartphone. That has changed a lot, more than 
anything that you might possibly imagine. All my movies are actually filmed with an iPhone. Um, I do a lot of recording and other things with my iPhone. We transfer it back and forth. I'm sitting here looking at my Mac, and it's all tied in. I like that. That is part of what I would do if I was in business today. This is it's this is really good and really important. My son works for a company where they handed him an iPhone and they handed him an iPad. The iPad is uh, tied into the phone and the uh, internet, and he's able to report back and forth to the company with through that. Plus, the other thing is, is he works commercial kitchen equipment and stuff like that. So, therefore, that iPad is also tied into different manufacturings of part uh, part base so that if he gets on a job and he needs this type of part or doing this type of thing it can go back through the company get the part and get the part order get it to the job site and all the rest of the stuff goes through it's a wonderful way of tracking uh, your vehicles your uh, your whole business it's uh, very easy because it all intermarries with every apple product has all the business stuff and everything into it. Your iPhone has it, so does your pad, so does your computer. All of the software is the same across the whole, all the platforms, including your iWatch. Um, so therefore, since it's all the same across all the platforms, everything talks to each other. For a business, for you and your employees, for access, and for... Uh, invoice control and all the rest of mileage for trucks and and parts and things purchased and all of that uh that's a real good easy uh, man that what a lifesaver what a system like that but you're not paying for it that the system is already exists on the on these things even though you have to pick, get the devices which is a minor thing and you deal with the phone number which is a minor thing uh, all the rest of it is so tied together. It is very good, very easy to work with, and I highly recommend starting there. Now, this is going to end our first chapter on how to start a business. This gives you an idea. We talked about. I'm talking to you today about the diversity of what you know before you go into business. If and how you can bring, like I went into business and I was uh, pretty much residential, high-end and residential. Uh, but I had the knowledge of everything that's out there. We'll, and we'll talk about that and uh, the radiant heat and uh, other training that I took after I went into business for myself. But, uh, and to do all of these things, to get certified by the factories. And that's more important than you might think. Um, and more than just one, multiple factories, multiple lines of equipment. Everybody knew me. Everybody knew what I could do. They had no problem selling me anything that they made. Until the next time, come back and we're going to talk about a little more of the office and other things that goes on. And this is Carl Darge saying, thank you for listening to Geezers and Grooves on HVAC. And remember, Darge did.